the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 31 and 32 says this. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. Listen to verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. If you can, can you just give a hand praise unto the Lord? You may have your seat. God is good. As, as I was saying, I, I want to thank the Lord for this wonderful church, our wonderful pastor and his wife. Um, we love them very much. Amen. Uh, we are blessed. We are certainly blessed. Uh, we are all but servants of the gospel, but I thank God when he gives you a good servant. And uh, God, God is good. We do covet your prayers. I forgot to say this up front, but we do covet your prayers. The last time I stood behind this pulpit, we were getting ready to uh, plan to leave to the subcontinent of India. I have since had to cancel that trip with the team. Um, my team right now is actually in the Dominican Republic right now as we speak. They are preaching in churches right now as we speak and will be making their way out to three different cities. We have chosen to stay back to honor the, the life of our beloved sister. And uh, we ask your prayers because September the 7th, I am still going. Uh, we, we canceled that trip because of persecution in the state of Manipur, by which was 50% Christian, and the enemy's mad at the revival that's happening in the 1040 window. And uh, the leader of that particular country uh, set an edict at the beginning of the year. He couldn't change the law, but he could change the minds. And someone, that would have preached to somebody. Because you don't need to change the laws when you change the minds. And he made a statement by which he said that their country needed to be cleansed of all of the religions besides Hinduism. And the extremist groups that are there inside of uh, the two states to the north and the south of Manipur took that seriously. And began to persecute uh, Christian believers that are there in the state of Manipur. And we covered your prayers. And some people... You know, I, sometimes I feel this. Someone's like, oh, man, you're going to come on Sunday and, and be a downer and start like this. If we don't pray, who will? Are we not the bride of Christ? Uh, what did Cain say when after he kills his brother? Am I my brother's keeper? And, and God answers, would you have them to die? So in that state, there is much persecution. And one of my very good friends, who's the bishop president there, his name is Sion Rajanpur, uh, he was very heavy in his heart because of what is happening. So I spoke to our, uh, the governors of our church organization as well as my pastor and said, you know what, I still feel of the Lord to go. And uh, when those have asked, well, why would you go if it's dangerous? Um, I believe as Paul believed. Paul said, no man will perish. If God has assignment, you fulfill the assignment God has put in front of you. Whether it be comfortable or whether it not be, I would rather see the Lord earlier than I thought and stand before him and him say, well done, than get there later and him say, what happened? Uh, but I believe it's Paul when he says, not one man will perish. So we are going to go encourage our brothers to be with my friend. We're going to be traveling through six different states in the country in seven days we're going to start in Hyderabad, India. We're going to end in New Delhi. We're going to preach to probably somewhere in between 450 and 500 pastors, probably 10 to 15,000 believers that are in that area. I'm not saying that for any other reason but this. I want to go with the prayers of this church. And we thank you. And I'm going to try to say this without getting too emotional. We thank you because what feels good in my heart is that when I go, I feel good because my family's here in this church. And some wonder how much does that matter for one that, that, that has to go and be about the gospel business. It matters more than you will ever know. And we thank you for your prayer. Sorry to belabor the word, but that I wanted to share that with you guys. So we'll be taking them aid. We're going to be helping families that are currently in hiding in that state. Their churches, many of the churches have been burned down. Uh, many of our brothers and sisters are losing their lives. Uh, they don't. I'm going to be okay. They don't do that to Americans because they don't want an international scene, which is why we are going. But we're going to go help our brothers. Uh, I, I said this to our president 
when he said, are you sure you want to do this? I said, if I'm going to put evangelists in front of my name, I sure as ever better be one. Because you can fake a title as much as you can fake a song or anything else. Amen? Luke chapter 22, as we're reading through it, he says, Simon, Simon. It's interesting that Jesus in this chapter, it's Luke chapter 22, and if we compare the canonical gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is the only book by which this particular story happens. This is at the Last Supper, and Jesus is preparing to walk out of this room and be arrested. Actually, from here, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray that God's will be done, and then immediately following, he is arrested. Luke is the only one who captures this part of that evening. Others get, you know, you know the, the first part of it, and others get the last part of it, but they miss this little moment between Jesus and Peter and Luke, who's known to be the writer that's more in touch with the humanities of Christ and the humanities of how we are affected by Christ, captures this. He's paying attention. And he notices something that Jesus says that changes from something he had said earlier. I want to set this up for you. See, it wasn't that much before it that Jesus changes the name of Simon. Uh, he was Simon Barjona, which means he was the son of Barjona. And he's known as Simon to that point. And then as he receives a revelation, I said this to our team when we were in Brazil, if you have to choose between a resume and a revelation, get a revelation. Because a resume might put you in the presence of men, but a revelation will put you in the presence of God. So if no man knows your resume, but God knows your revelation, you're in a better place. So Jesus is the one who changes Peter's name to Peter. And he just gets done telling him in Caesarea Philippi, and he tells him, your name is, shall be called Peter. For you're like a rock. You're like the rock, the confession that's spoken, but smaller. And he even declares his revelation, and this is where the change comes, where he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father. And now he changes everything about him. I want you to get this. And now he says, your name's Peter. Uh, everybody else who knew you knew Simon, but your revelation changed who you used to be into who you are now. So when we say, when we come to Jesus, do we change? You change in the most radical of ways. That somebody will see you later and go, are you even the same person? And I know I got a witness that can answer and go, nope, I'm not the same person. Jesus changed everything about me right down to the continents of who I am. Can somebody thank God for that? And that, that brings us to this truth, though, is that there isn't, if there isn't a change in us, then has God really been able to get a hold of us and mold us the way he wants I saw this once in a meme between two Christian guys, and, and one guy says, I can't be a Christian because I have to change. And, and, and the other guy goes, uh, who says you have to change to be a Christian? And I looked at it, and I said, the word of God says you have to change. He says, no, come to my church. You don't got to change a thing about you in my church. Like I said, if you open the vault and there's nothing there, that's a sad place to arrive. Paul said, be not conformed to this world. He was actually speaking to what had already contrarily been formed in us. He says, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Peter had, as Simon Barjona, a transformative experience when he says, who do men say that I am? When Jesus asked that, and Peter goes, I say that thou art Christ, son of the living God. That changed his name. So why then, in Luke chapter 22, does he call him Simon again? It's an interesting question. There's, there's a psychology to that question, isn't there? If God changes you, why is he still reverting back to something you used to be? And he calls him Simon, Simon. And let's, let's be a parent for a little bit. Anybody got kids? Anybody have kids that are 
what I call 30-second deaf. You call them the first time, they don't hear you, right? You're speaking English. You're like, I hear the words coming out of my mouth. How are you not hearing this? So you call them. I do this, and Tree does this. We have, like, normal volume. Then we have parent volume. Then we have you're in trouble volume. Then there's, you just better run now, right? You get to the fourth one, don't come. <laughs> don't come. Just run the other direction, and eventually I will get back down to the third one. <laughs> the, the, a couple weeks ago, we weren't having a very good day. We didn't have a very good Saturday. I'm not going to get into all of that. But the dog decided to run off. And on that day, I said, it's the wrong day to run off. I looked at that dog. I said, I don't even care if you come back. Go get hit. I don't even care. They were like, oh, I said, not today. Not today. That dog looking at us like, and I'm like, nah, go, 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 go. I don't care about you. Get out of here. <laughs> but he calls him Simon, Simon. Why does he call him twice? Once, one reason is that he needs him to listen to what he's saying. So if you're talking to your kids, sometimes I might have to go, Allie, Allie. It just, boop, right? And all of a sudden, huh, what, huh, what, huh, huh? If you, if you hear it, let's go shopping. He's like, oh, yeah, what? <laughs> you got to call. He tells him twice. He's, in other words, he's like, listen. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Don't miss this. But it's not just the fact that he accentuates what he's saying. It's what he's calling him. Simon, watch this. Simon is an attachment to his carnality. He's going, look. I'm not speaking to the revelation in you right now. I'm speaking into the old man. Simon, Simon, your, your flesh, flesh, listen to me. And, and there's something that we must understand in the truth of the scripture. And that is that there is a distinctive difference between salvation and sanctification. You know, when someone says, you know what? When I get saved, everything's new. You're right. You're right. Everything's new. All your sins have washed away, right? But your brain still got miles on it. And some of those miles were city miles, right? If you drive a New York taxi on the highway, it still had some downtown miles on it. And he's speaking to him because he's going, look, I, I, I saved you. I, I, I brought a revelation to you. But there's still some stuff in you that isn't fully worked out. And we all battle with these two sides of who we are. Paul says what? He says the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit warreth against the flesh. Uh, I, I, I like a statement that I heard a while back that said the greatest enemy is the inner me. We can't blame everything on the devil. Some of these things are our fault. It's, it's, it's like, a, like a pastor that he, he had this member that kept coming to the altar with envelopes. And, and he's looking down. He's trying to be compassionate. So he's praying for this couple. And he's praying for them. And he's praying for them. Finally, he goes, hey, can I talk to you after the church? And after the church, they talk. And he goes, I'll pray for you. I'll keep on praying for you. But what's in the envelopes? It must be something really important. And the couple said, it's our credit card bills. And it's ruining our marriage. It's ruining our family. It's ruining everything. And we don't want to give the devil any more room. So the pastor says, can we, can we go to my office for a second? They go to, this, to, to the office and, and the pastor says, I have a revelation for you that maybe no one's told you before. And they said, we're here. We're here. Speak, Lord. And the pastor said, stop spending. So our flesh and our spirit war. Why? Because our spirit says this ain't good for you. But our flesh keeps spending. I'm not talking about money. I'm also talking about emotions, relationships. I feel the Holy Ghost. Things that, that, that our eyes keep getting to that the spirit goes, this ain't good for you. But our flesh goes just one more time. I know I can stop. If you could stop, you would have stopped. Well, well, you, you know, 
just, just this last time, or, or you, you know what, um, uh, uh, God, I, I love everybody, and then you got road rage. They're going to be like, you might love everybody, but it don't look like you like everybody. <laughs> but there's this war in all of us, and can I say this? That war can be won, watch this, but it will never be done. See, this is the issue with self-righteousness. Oh, my God. Can I just preach straight? This is the issue when we put our noses up and walk around as if we've arrived. Say, let, let, me, let me understand this. Have you been translated from corruptible to incorruptible? Do you get done with, with what you do during the day and float back up and have no? So you're still warring. There's still a battle in you. There's still a war being fought between the flesh and the spirit. Now watch. Here's what I'm getting at. You will fight this battle for the rest of your life, but you can win every day. Come on, somebody. I know, I know. It's getting in a little bit because we're going like, well, well, brother, I have struggles and I don't share them. You don't need to share them. Just acknowledge they're there. Just acknowledge they're there. It's, it's, it's as if someone who is sick and, and, and they say, you know what, you've been diagnosed with this. You're like, well, I don't receive it. And the doctor's like, you still got it. Right? You can take out every mirror. I still know I'm chubby. I don't need a mirror to tell me that. <laughs> reality is reality. And the first part, Jesus is telling Peter, look, man, look, man, you're really zealous. I, I like it. You, you, you're really zealous because Peter literally follows up this statement. And even before, and he goes, you know what? We'll take two swords. Jesus is like, hey, calm down, bro. You always got that one guy, right? There's a saying that says, it don't matter how big your Bible is if you only use it to send people to hell. That didn't cost nothing right there. I was completely free. Blame that on the coffee. <laughs> My wife made it. Just, just, uh. <laughs> but she's like, Simon, Simon, you're going to have to listen because the revelation without a reality check is going to get you in trouble. Oh, man. You know what I love about my wife? I'm going to tell you, I love a lot of things. And I, if you're asking if I'm trying to score points, it only matters if it works. If it works, yes. <laughs> you know what I like about her? I'm going to tell you what I, what I love about her is that when I get home, yeah, there's a man of God, but that man of God needs to be a man, needs to be a regular human being, needs to, needs to be there for our children. The, the anointing, the revelation don't excuse you from reality. As a matter of fact, revelation without an understanding of reality is an unrealistic way to live. That's when things get weird. That's when your fire gets funny. And, and sometimes it, it blows me away when, when we have so much revelation, but we don't have a grip on reality. And we go, oh, no, it's all, it's all fire, tongues, and the Holy Ghost. It's like Paul also said to speak five words of wisdom, man. You know, well, it's, it's all about as long as I, you know, as long as I'm just, rah, you know. We're like, you know, Dragon Ball Z serving God on Sundays, you know, all of that. And it's like, and Jesus is like, I got it for you. Watch, here's the reality of it. Take, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. See, here's the point. Jesus had to deal with that part of Peter. Because Peter was zealous, but he wasn't being realistic. Real faith is not eccentric. It's not exaggerated. It's not some sensationalism. You know, just because you believe God can heal you from a snake bite doesn't mean you pick up snakes. That's weird. Don't do that. We're in Arizona. That's for further east. <laughs> Don't tempt God. And Jesus is going, look, man, I need you. He, we're going to get to it. But he's like, I need you to understand this part. Because you think you have revelation now. When I put what I really have for you, you're going to have to have a gravity in your own spirit that keeps you grounded. See, there was going to come a time where people were healed as Peter was walking by. They would be healed by his shadow. Can you imagine someone with that much revelation who doesn't have a grip on reality? Reality. 
Oh, my God. And then let, let me say it that way, just for every, you know, you know man of God, we're, God bless you, we're watching on the video, but I'll say it for us. For all of us men of God or, you know, the, the mog or the wogs, I don't know what they call them now, wogs. What is, I told Allie to go to Bible college so she could become a certified wog, like boom. But watch, for all of us that do that, look, look, ain't nobody so anointed that you don't need to be grounded. That you don't need to understand that we are all humans. What did Paul say? All men sin and fall short of the glory of God. Well, not me, brother. There's your first sin. Denial. But he's telling them, Simon, Simon, watch. He's going, Simon, Simon, humanity, flesh, listen to me. Listen to me. What else is he saying? Emotions, listen. Our emotions lie to us, man. All the time. All the time. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful to its very core. You're like, not my heart. Your heart, too. Yours, too. It's deceit. It didn't say it was evil. It meant it's deceitful. It means that our hearts lie to us. Our hearts tell us things that aren't true. Right? Oh, he's going to change. He ain't changing. Every, every wife hopes that her husband will change when they get married, and every husband hopes she never changes. Neither one of those things are true. Neither one of those things are true, but I'm, I'm not the counselor. I've just been married 23 years, which is the equivalent of staying at a Holiday Inn Express last night, right? Well, he tells me, he says, Simon, Simon, watch it. Behold. Man. Behold. He's like, look, Simon, Simon, what does behold mean? Open your eyes and look, son. Look. Satan demanded to have you. Amen. He's like, you need to pay attention because I got a little visit from somebody. Can, can, can I say this just for the reality check of how we treat angelic beings? Let, let, me, just, let me just give reality for us here for a second. When we start saying things like Satan's a little punk, he ain't got no power. Here's, if it's not for the Holy Ghost... I have seen people demonically possessed, okay, literally throw human beings off of them. Like, toss them like ragdolls. I have seen them do things with the human body that are not possible, and we're walking around like Satan has no power, like he has no ability. Listen to me right, listen to me right, because all of a sudden we're like, well, you shouldn't be saying he has any power. He was created by God. He was second in heaven. He's a cherubim. God sent Michael. He sent archangels that would come and wiped out entire armies. So you want to know what he's saying to Peter? He's going, you think you're bad? You think you're tough? These devils... Satan, and not just any one of them, the one came to me. And it's reminiscent of something else, right? What is it reminiscent of? It's reminiscent of Job. Now, we see Satan in heaven, and, and God asked him. God asked him. God asked him. The sovereign, omnipotent, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, I am that I am, asked him. And he says, where are you coming from? And we, we create this story where we go, oh, he's hiding in the back and he's scared and scarred. He was second in heaven. He steps forward. I'm going back and forth. He's mocking God at first. And he goes, I'm going back and forth looking to who I can find to attack. I can't find anybody. All that proved is that Satan is not omnipresent. And he's not omnipotent and he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not everywhere and he doesn't have all power. But it didn't mean that he was powerless. Let's, let's be clear about that. Why am I saying that? Because some of us play with the devil as if he has no power. Some of us play with sin as if it has no effect on us. Is it all right if I preach straight for a little bit? My good pastor. 
some of us are playing with the world as if we can change and oh, this don't bother me at all and I'm still going to drink this and smoke that and act. You think you can do that and just turn around and walk the other direction? Look, dead fish still look like they're living as long as the water's moving. The fish are dead. It's the water that's moving. And, and we keep making this mistake. And the greatest, the greatest devised deception of the enemy is for him to convince you that he doesn't exist and neither does God. That our decisions, that the things that we do have no consequence and really he has no power even though he's just there orchestrating the whole thing in the background. And, 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 and Peter had a problem. Watch. Peter had a problem and that was he thought he was stronger than he was. He thought he was strong and in reality there were parts of him that were weak. So what does that tell us? And, and I'm going somewhere. If we could all stay together. Look, what he's telling them is he's, look, don't be narcissistic and arrogant. Don't be so smart you end up dumb. You, you ever hear about these two guys trying to settle an argument? And one of the guys is making this, this very foolish thing. And then the other guy, she's fighting with him. And the mediator in between them goes, what are you doing fighting with this person? And he excuses the other person. You're fine. You're right. Let him go. And he goes, the one that had a foolish argument. Then he looks at the other person and he says, don't you realize they're not smart enough to know how dumb they are? I know that sounds insulting, but what it's really saying is that we do that many times right before God. We act so smart. We act so revelated. We act so real. Oh, God, no, no, God, let me tell you how this is going to work. And God's looking at us like, oh, okay, because I know the beginning from the end. I know where this is going. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Tell me. Tell me, oh, no, God, God, check this out, God. I don't know if you thought of this part. But I'm unlike anything that's ever been created before. And God's like, thank God. He's like, wait a second, thank me. There's only one of you. God, I'm different. I got all the revelation. God's like, yeah, but you got none of the reality. So the devil's going to get you. So he tells him, behold, open your eyes. Take me to, to, to that scripture again. He says, behold, watch, the Satan has demanded to have you. Why? Why? Is it because Peter was weak? No. It was not because Peter was weak. There was weakness in Peter. But he did not want him because of what was weak in him. God, I need somebody to get this. He wanted him because of what had been declared on him. See, we got this thing. We, we, we think the enemy attacks the world. The enemy don't attack the world. Well, no, he's attacking them. That's why they're, that, ain't, that, that doesn't need to be the enemy. That is the absence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The devil has them in captivity. Sin has you in captivity. The God of this world. Yes, we understand all of that. But his attack, because he's not omniscient, that means he doesn't know everything. Because he's not omnipotent, that means that he can't fight everything. And because he's not omnipresent, he can't be everywhere. The, the, the God of this world, can we open up his strategy for a second? Is he devises these ideas and cultures and plans. And I said this to a brother yesterday. I said this to a brother yesterday. I said, look how easily the American contemporary church is distracted. And I say this with respect. The church is fighting about social and political issues when there is so much sin. We're, we're fighting. I say it respectfully. We're fighting on who to vote for as if they're going to save us. We're fighting on who has a view or who has this political leaning or who has that. You know what? You want to know my leaning? It's this book right behind me that says I need to be in accord with that. And the fear doesn't come from the system or the government or politics or social view. The world's going to be what it is. See, Satan wanted Peter because of what Jesus told him in Caesarea Philippi. Satan does not attack things that don't have purpose devil's been attacking my family and like can I can I and I'm saying this respectfully 
If you do not have the Holy Spirit, if you are not saved, it did not take Satan to ruin your family. That's tough, but I'm staying in the word. It's easy to blame it all on the boogeyman, right? You wanted your kids to go to bed, and you lived in Culiacan. You just told them that the Yorona came out at 11. They went right to sleep. Yorona ain't coming out. They couldn't. They didn't even go. See, that's why all these poor little kids were, were bedwetting. They didn't want to go to the bathroom. The Yorona's in there. I'm not going out. We do the same thing with the devil. Well, you know what? The enemy is destroying your life. Do you know you don't have God? That's the greatest issue. See, we turn the greatest issue within American Christianity to be the attack of Satan. But the reality is that the greatest issue is us living in sin. And the devil goes, I don't even got to do that. That, that thing's already in motion. I don't, I don't have to tell. I don't have to come attack them. With this, all I have to do is have the system in place, the culture in place, the things in place. Watch, there's a message that, that Pastor Anthony preached at our general convention. Actually, two years, was it two years in a row or, or a couple years? And he, he preached a message that is still ringing true. And probably if he preached it this year, it would be just as true as it was in 2018. And he preached a message called Weapons of Mass Distraction. There are so many of us, even those that are in the church, Satan don't care about you. He ain't worried about you. He ain't causing no problem in hell. I know that's tough. Why? Because we're distracted. The, the culture already got you. He don't need to bring another attack. You're, you're already stuck. He, he doesn't need to attack your finances. He'll let them run. Your job already got you. Oh, man. This is, I know. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Is this Okay. Yeah, we, we're so, well, you know what? The, the, the enemy's going to take my house. That might be God. That might be the best thing that ever happened to you. Some of the best things that ever happened in our lives were things that went away. Amen? Anybody ever? You, you, you cry over the loss, and then you get a little bit further. You're like, thank God that went. Right? And what, but in the hour, you're like, oh, this is. God, this is the enemy and this is the devil. He wants to take. And God's like, no, I'm letting it go because you won't. So God needs to have moments in our lives where he gets our attention. And he sits us down and goes, Mingo, Mingo, your humanity will take you down. Your flesh is going to do something that not even the enemy could do. Oh, my God. Adam and Eve, watch this. Satan didn't make Adam and Eve fall. Adam and Eve listened to the enemy and fell. So I say this in love. I've said this, you know, speaking before and advising before with individuals that we're talking to go, bro, I'm going through this and I'm going through that. And I'm like, look, I love you. I love you. I do. I love you so much. But can I tell you the truth? What? You're making bad decisions, man. The problem isn't how much you're crying at the altar. The problem isn't how much you're, you're fasting or praying. You can pray till your tongue falls out of your mouth. But if you still lie when you leave. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. We, we can do all of that stuff. Just make better decisions. Ah, that part, but that part's not, not, not flashy. That part don't feel good. We can't get rid of that one by, you know, someone's a, run around the church seven times and the sin's going to fall off. You know it's not. You're just going to be sweaty and sinful. So he's like, behold, Satan came for you. Why? Oh, my God. See, this is the part where we celebrate. Wait, wait, we're celebrating that Satan's coming for us? I'm not afraid of the devil. We had to get rid of testimony because of that, right? Yeah, some of us know what that's about. Tina knows what that's about, right? I want to thank God for bishop, pastor, elders, ushers, motherboard, janitors, greeters, everybody, like everybody. The devil's been chasing me all week. Watch this. If you don't have a purpose in God yet, the devil's not chasing you. You're just running. I know it's tough. Oh, my God. Love you guys. 
Watch. He said, Satan demanded you. You think he demanded everybody? He didn't ask for the other 11. Think about that. Jesus got 12 men around him. One of them was going to sell him. Jesus doesn't even mention it. He never even calls Judas Satan. He calls Peter Satan. That's, that's crazy. Think about that for a second. Judas is the one who sells him, but he called Peter Satan. Why? Because he allowed the deception of the enemy to come in. And he says he's demanded you. In other words, this is what he said. This, this is really what he said. He goes, Satan could have asked for any of the 11. And, and Luke is just like, he's getting all the tea, right? He's like, oh, this is good. I'm going to write this down, and I'm going to say this later. And Jesus is like, hey, look, we're talking to all the 12. We're sitting down eating. You guys see that table, right? Right, my Leonardo da Vinci's depiction or whatever. And Jesus leans over and he tells him, Satan is demanding you. He just got done telling them. If you read the scripture before that, watch this. Can you take me to verse 30 real quick? I, I, want, to, I want to read this to you guys really, really fast. She's like, it's not in your notes. <laughs> verse 30 really quickly when she gets there. But, but watch. There's something powerful that he says. Look what he says in verse 30. This is crazy, guys. He says that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Ooh, look. And sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. What's he talking about? You can take me back. He's literally telling the disciples, you guys in heaven. There's something interesting about the Last Supper. Satan was present at the dinner. You can be in moments like this, watch, and demons tremble, but Satan will still hang out to listen. And he's there and he's listening. He's going, whoa, 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 hold on. Okay. And, you, you know, and, and people have said this. Well, Satan didn't know that Jesus was God. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. If the devils in the Gadarean knew who he was and can come and tell him, Master, why do you torment us before our time? What do you think, Lucifer, oh bright and morning star? You think he didn't know? You think he didn't see Jesus and go, okay, all these other people don't know. They're going to crucify you, but I know who's in there. I know who's in there. And, and he's like, you know what? I don't, I don't know what I can do for that, but look what, look what Satan's doing. And this is not him knowing the future. Satan does not know your future. Let me say that again. Satan does not know your future. And we say that, well, well they're doing that because the devil knows what you're going to be. No, he does not. He is hearing this real time just like the rest of us. But he hears what Jesus tells them, and he goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. Now i got to deal with another 12? And he heard what Jesus had told him before. These things in greater will you do in my name. Ah. But then he starts going back, and he's going, wait a sec. Wait, which one of these guys confessed him to be God? Which one of these guys understood what I understood? Oh, it was Peter. The other ones are saying, no, you know, uh, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. Okay, when, when, when the storm came and it was contrary, he's, you know, Satan starts going through that. Okay, wait. There were, there were 12 in the boat. One of them got out. Who, it was Peter. When Jesus first showed up and, and he comes and he says, Brother, have you, brothers, have you any meat? He asked them how their fishing went. And, and all the rest of them were kind of like, nah, man, we done fished all night. And, and he goes, and who's the one who said, at your word, will we go again? It was Peter. I, I, I need someone to get this. See, what happens is that Satan may be evil, but he's not dumb. And when he starts recognizing these things and going, wait a second, this isn't just anybody. This isn't just somebody who's in the boat. Oh, I got to say this right. See, you can be in the boat with Jesus and still not have faith. You can have Jesus in there and be shaking him and going, well, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. And you're there going, Jesus, do you not care if we perish? Satan ain't worried about that one. Satan's not worried about that. He's not worried about the one that goes, oh, I guess we got to go to church. He ain't worried about you. Oh, we better go or pastor's going to be upset. <laughs> he worries about you. Look at the gray hair that he's starting to build up. It's there. But it ain't going to stop him from coming. Why? Because when God puts purpose in our lives, can, can we go there? When God puts purpose in your life, you no longer make your decisions with the rest of the crowd. 
You no longer start determining your actions based upon what everybody else is saying. See, that's, that's why I'm, I'm tired. Of, like All this stuff, the, the world's so much volume. Everybody's saying something. Everybody's talking. Everybody's throwing. You know, when I used to have a, a, a broadcast, I, do, I, I got off. You know what I said? I go, man, everybody's talking so much. You can't say something true. You know what's better to do? Don't say nothing. For me, I ain't going to say nothing. Let, let, all, let everything be what it is. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, but watch. He says, Satan has, has demanded you. He is paying attention. See, the enemy pays attention to the purpose in your life as much as God does. And we do this thing of all, all things are created equal and all people are created. God bless America. That's not true in the kingdom of heaven. You're going, what are you talking about? I mean, actually, literally, as we are judged according to our just reward, it says that there will be different levels. It literally says that. No, not my Jesus. Well, okay, well, your Jesus might not say that, but that Jesus says that. And it's according to what? It's according to our faith, our faithfulness, and our works. You want to know the greatest revival we need in the church? A revival of purpose. A revival of conviction. My wife and I were watching a, a gospel uh, music award show the other day. We're like, what in the world is this? She's like, you know, we, we sound like we're in our, you know, like we're in our middle age, right? It's too loud. You know? And she said a total, like, mid-40s statement. She's like, They're just up there shaking around all over the place. These kids these days are just. <laughs> no, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, gospel music. You haven't lost your charisma, but you've definitely lost your conviction. So guess what? Can I say this? The enemy don't care about black gospel no more. Now, I'm not saying black gospel in the color. I'm saying in the genre. Hear me right. In the genre. But it's the same thing with some CCM. Enemy's like, I don't need to attack that no more. And that's how they could sing these songs that have nothing to do with the word of God. Oh. Look, look, look. Because the enemy no longer needs to attack them. They are the arbiters and preachers of false doctrine. Oh, my God. He don't need to attack you. You're part of his club now. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. But he tells him, he's like, look, there's purpose in your life. And it's been revealed throughout your time with me for three years. See, if you're, in the, if you're here in church, can I say something for us real quick? If we're inside of this thing called the walk of faith and there isn't changes and development and maturity and purpose that comes into our lives, we haven't started a journey yet. If we ain't doing nothing for the Lord and we've been in the Lord for 30 years. What are we doing? I don't know how we can be in the Lord for 30 days and not tell somebody about him. And not tell somebody that Jesus is a life changer. He's a way maker. He's a healer. And I'm not saying it because someone's saying it. I'm saying it because somebody in this house has been healed. Someone else has been delivered. Someone else has been set free. Somebody else has experienced. Come on, somebody. I need someone for a second that says, look, I have a revelation because of what he's done. We could be under a tree somewhere. We'll still know God is good. We can be out. Don't get fooled by the walls and the screens and all that. The spirit of God is here. That's why we're here. And that revelation, listen to me. Revelation will bring purpose to your life. And if you haven't found purpose, let me say this with as much love as I can. You haven't found revelation. You found religion, my friend. Ugh. Because revelation without purpose is religion. Religion with purpose is the power of the bride. It's the very reason why he gave us the Holy Spirit. He didn't give us the Holy Ghost just to speak in tongues. He said, what? What did he say? He, says, he said, I'll give you authority, right? And you shall have power, authority after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But here's the reason why I gave it to you. And you shall be witnesses. Oh, my God. Here's, 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 here's rough statement number 32. Here it is. If you have the Holy Ghost, but you're not a witness, I wonder what those tongues are doing. Because that's what it's for. 
that's what it's for. If we can come to church and not witness, that's not that, that, those stammering lips and fun. That, that may not be the Holy Ghost doing that, baby. Because the Holy Ghost makes you want to tell somebody about Jesus. Makes you want to say something, right? You have you ever walked out of just an amazing, powerful move of God? And what should stir it up? Man, I'm looking for somebody. I'm going somewhere. I usually go to the donut shop and try to talk to somebody about Jesus. Because we could both be blessed in that environment, right? But like, let me go talk to, if the Holy Ghost comes in you, you want to tell somebody about Jesus. Remember PFAC? Remember our goal? Remember our goal? What do we say? A thousand souls. Stop wasting all the good emotion on us. See, he says he's the man to have you. Take me back to that scripture, verse 31. We're, 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 we're getting there. Watch. He says, he says, Satan has demanded to have you, watch this, that he might sift you like wheat. Now, there is an analogy that everybody in that area could understand. Some of us have been to Israel. Samaria went with us to Israel. We went last year. And we got to see the sifting process. And guess what? He's like, because he sees purpose in you, this is what's going to happen. He's going to step on you because that's what you do with wheat first. So what does the enemy try to do with somebody who has purpose in their life? He tries to crush you by believing that you are nothing. So you know what I try to do? I beat him to the punch. He don't need to crush me to tell me I'm nothing. I know I'm nothing. The only one who falls from a horse is the one who sits high. If I'm already on the floor, I ain't falling off no high horse. Right? That's why I like those little ponies. You know what I mean? You don't fall. You just, just got off. You're like, you look silly on that little pony. I ain't never fell off that little pony. It runs off. It just runs between my legs. We had ponies at our house. I never, I got kicked by one once. That don't feel good. <laughs> you know, I said that horse kicked the bucket. That bucket died too. I'm going to tell you that much. <laughs> but he says he desired to, that he may sift you like wheat. So the first thing that happens in the sifting process is they actually step on the wheat. So he's telling them, watch, he's revealing the strategy of the enemy to him. He's going, look. He's going, look, this is what Satan's going to do with you. This is what he's going to try to do with you. Watch. Oh, God, this is going to end so good for somebody. He's telling him what he's going to do first is he's going to try to step on you. He's going to try to bring you to a low place. And that, that, see, that's what happens when purpose comes in is that all of a sudden the enemy tries to do with us the same thing he tried to do with Jesus. He tried to get Jesus. The, the first thing, and I was, I was explaining this actually, me and Sister Maria were talking about this on Thursday. The first thing Satan does with Jesus when he's tempting him is he speaks to his flesh. So what did Jesus do first with Peter? He spoke to his flesh. It all comes together. Then what did he do? He says, look, he goes, he's going to desire to sift you like wheat. He's going to step on you. You're nothing. You're exactly what you used to be. You ain't going to last six months. That's what the enemy does. You, you give me three months there, happy go run the aisles. I'll have you right back in the street where you were. That's what he does. He does that. He says he's the liar. He's the enemy of our souls. He's the deceiver. He has the power of this. You're a bad father. You've always been a bad father. You'll always be a bad father. You're broken. You were broken. You are broken. You'll always be broken. That's the enemy. Don't let that suit fool you. I'm glad we dress casual too. Because we can't hide behind a suit. I mean, if you want to wear a suit, go ahead. That's awesome. I love them. Yeah, it's all good. Right? But he tries to crush first. And that's why you need to believe what Jesus says first. So, so every time Satan comes to Jesus, what did Jesus say? It is written. If you think you can fight the enemy and not have the word of God in your life, you are deceiving yourself. You think you can shout your way to victory? I don't, I don't know how many times people say that. You can shout to your victory. If you don't have the word of God in your life, you will never be victorious. I don't care if you jump five feet. I've hung out with the Masai Mata men, warriors. These guys jump five feet in the air. They jump high. We can't jump that high. The word of God is what we need to be victorious. Don't buy a new CD. Buy a Bible, man. 
First thing he does is he crushes. The second thing they do in the wheat process is they shake. They take a four-foot piece of wood and they, they lay out linen that has holes inside of it. And now what he does is, the first thing Satan does is he crushes. The same, second thing he does is you can't deal with things where they shake in your life. How many people have lost their way with God when things start shaking? How many people, just, just as, as people that minister in the gospel, that care for people, that you got to go chase to their homes, and then you find out, well, I've been going through this. Yeah, that's called a shaking. Well, I, I called on God. How come he didn't answer? How come you didn't hold on? Huh? I'm going to pull this out of Tina's hat. I don't. Feel no waste time. I come too far from where I started from. Huh? What's that next one say, Tina? And nobody told me that the road would be easy. But I don't believe he's brought me this far to leave me. When I used to be discouraged, I sang that song, I felt good. God bless what you saying today. That made me feel good today, didn't it? Man, sometimes I don't need all that, all that new stuff. I got it. Just okay. You know what I mean? 48 second entry. Just let me. Oh, how I love Jesus. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me sometimes. Right? You do? <laughs> Jay's like, stop. It's like, dun, 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 <laughs> Just sometimes just bless the Lord. You get it? When the enemy's shaking, go back to what you know God is. See, the crushing and the shaking is the enemy telling you everything you were and might be what you are. But the holding on is declaring everything he is in spite of who you are. So, oh my God. Say, I know what I am. I know what I used to be. I know what I still struggle with. I know what I'm probably going to struggle with. But I also know who he is. I also know his power. I also know that he holds me up with his right hand. I know that he keeps me through the, come on, I wish I had about 10 people that could say, look, I know I'm messed up. I know I'm tore up from the floor, but I also know who Jesus is. I also know the God that I call on. I also know that he is able to bring me through a storm. And why am I too strong to be sifted? Because my strength doesn't come from me. What did David say? I look to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Oh, you need to get, come on. I need somebody to get excited for a second. Because are you strong enough by yourself? No. No, you are not. You ain't strong enough to get through the day. But me and Jesus, baby, we're going to see this thing all the way through. We're going to see it all the way through. I wish I had a witness. If somebody believed me, you might not struggle with what you're struggling with right now. So I wish you'd stand on your feet for 10 seconds and say, I can't do it, but me and God can. And with him, I'm too strong to be sifted like wheat. Woo! I know who I was. I know who I am, but I know who he is. So if Satan is shaking you, that means you got something going on. Oh, you ought to praise him a little louder when that happens. Said Satan's trying to crush me good. That means I got some purpose in my life. Satan's trying to shake me good. That means I got purpose in my life. Come on, I want somebody to just have this victory for about 30 seconds. And I don't know if all chaos has been breaking loose in your life. People been rejecting you, turning away. You'll be shaking and crushed, but go, nope. As long as I got Jesus, as long as I got that God, I'm too strong to be sifted when I understand who he is. Woo. 
Billy Jay, can you play something for me real quick? Oh, sinners, sinners. Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You know what? I'll finish this, but take about another 30 seconds, somebody. I feel like somebody's been going through a storm, and you've been looking at this from the wrong way. Come on, I wish somebody would just get a victory, just real quick. I'm too strong to be sifted. I'm too strong to be sifted. I'm too strong to be sifted. I'm too strong. Let them shake me. Let them try to come. I'm too strong to be sifted. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost, Pastor. I feel the, we're a Holy Ghost-driven church. We're a Spirit-driven church. You know what we do in this environment? We don't pull back. We jump in. Come on. Come on. I'll finish this message, but I need somebody to open your mouth for a second. The devil's been crushing on you. He's been shaking on you, and you've been sitting there taking his licks, keeping your mouth shut, sitting in your place. It's about time you call the devil a liar and say, go ahead and try to crush. Go ahead and try to shake. I'm too strong for you to sift me out. Oh, my God, my God, my God. My God, my God, my God. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let me, let me, let me, let me get this out. We got to hurry up. Let me get this out. Sit down, sit down. Look, look what he says. Look, look, look what Jesus says. This is powerful. This is powerful. He says, he demanded you that he might sift you like wheat. Take me to the next scripture. This is powerful. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. What does Jesus tell Peter? God. What does he tell him? But I have prayed for you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us when we cannot do it ourselves. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit speaks for us through moanings and groanings. Oh, my God. Ooh, some of us are asking God where you're at. He's right there in that groan in your spirit. He's right there. And he's going, look, even those times where you feel like you can't go on, Jesus is like, I prayed for you. What did Jesus say? No man cometh unto the Father but through me. He didn't mean that in a condemnative manner. He said, when I'm your advocate, when I'm your mediator, when I'm your intercessor, Who's your intercessor? He said, all power is given unto me, both in heaven and in earth and under the earth. Who's your intercessor? The one that he said that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Who's your intercessor? Not just the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. This is the same one. He said he thought it not robbery that he would make himself equal with God. Who's your intercessor? It says that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. He said, I prayed for you. I need to tell somebody this. You might feel like your voice is gone, but his isn't. You might feel like you ain't got no words left, but he does. He has the final word. He said, but I prayed for you. You know what he was saying? He was saying, Satan couldn't shake you until he came to me, but I didn't let him because I prayed for you. Many of us are here today because Jesus interceded and said, I ain't going to let the devil take you. You might feel shaken. You might feel crushed. The third part of a sifting process is a threshing. Literally, the wheat is picked up and slammed to the ground over and over and over again. And the chafe just floats off. See, this is how much respect the enemy has for God's creation. This is how much respect he has for you as a child of God. And that's why we're saying, I terrify the devil. No, the Holy Ghost terrifies the devil. He looks at us like little pieces of shape that will just float off. Why? He's done it to 7.8 billion people in this earth. And just... He said, but I prayed for you. Look at this. Look at this. That your faith not fail. What, what, what is another word for faith? Trust. Enduring. He said, I prayed for you. Oh, my God. 
that, that story footprint, Lord, but in the hardest time of my life, I only saw one set. And he said, oh, son, it was in those times that I carried you. That your faith may not fail. Whew. Yeah, we're there. I feel the Holy Ghost so powerfully. We, 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 we got to get through this. I feel the Holy Ghost. Look what he says. And when you have turned again. Look, this is powerful. Jesus is telling him this before he goes through it. He says, you're going to turn again. Why? Because I prayed for you. He says, and when you have turned again. In the King James Version, it says, and when you have been converted. When you have been converted. And another, another translation says, when you become fully convinced. Where does convincing happen? Where does repentance happen? Where does transformation happen? Jesus is telling Peter, you got to deal with this flesh in you, son. So that you can be fully converted. I, 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 I want to end it with this. Look, he says, and when you have turned again, when you come back again, oh my God. God, I, I, I feel the Holy Ghost. I need to tell some people something. You may not have seen yourself coming back, but God saw it. He saw the man that's sitting right in front of me when you couldn't see it. He saw the man sitting in front of me right now when you were still out in the street. He saw that man when you were in rehab. He saw that man when you were still hurt. He said, you will turn again. He saw you just like he saw you. Just like he saw you. You didn't see you, but see, here's the thing. Even when you couldn't pray, he prayed for you. Even when you couldn't speak, he spoke for you. Even when you didn't know, he knew for you. He said, and when you turned again, oh my God, let's end it with that. Strengthen your brothers. He's telling them, you're going to have to go through the hardest storm. Oh, because you have a great purpose. You, you want to know why it's encouraged? And I'm not trying to shift this over to, to past, but I am for a second. See, Peter had to lead the 12. And the 12 had to lead the early church through its hardest time, all the way on record up until where we're at now. I'm about to go into one of those fields. So Satan knew through intuitive thinking or however be it, if I'm going to go after anybody, I'm going to go after the leader. So if there is anybody in this church, anybody, I'll throw myself in the bucket, let's throw all of us in there. If there is anybody that Satan wants to sift, it's him. It's her. You know why? This is the part, if they put it in the job application, in the brochure, we probably wouldn't sign. Because it's our job, and it's our oath to strengthen our brothers. God, I want somebody just right where you're seated. I, I thought I was going to go under, just come somewhere else. I love this. And I'm going to hand this over to Pastor right now in just a minute. Somebody here, let the sifting finish. You know why? Because the enemy thinks you're the chafe, but the reality is you're the wheat. See, when, when the wheat goes through the shaking, the wheat knows it will be purified. When you burn gold, the impurities fall off and the gold remains. So I, I want somebody to put their hands up for a second. Actually, you can put them up for more than a second. Just lift your hands and say, don't let it stop, God, because if, it's, if you put me there, you know I'm turning again. It's for a reason. It's for a purpose. And, and I wish if we would just 
Stop thinking about all the other parts and think about those last three words. And when you are turned again, strengthen your brothers. See, I'm going to tell you why you're coming out of this with victory. Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you why some of you ain't going to leave with the same struggle you walked in with. Because there are men and women, there are brothers and sisters that need you to be their strength. There are brothers and sisters that need you to fulfill those last three words. Strengthen your brothers. God, leave your hands up. Leave your hands up. Simeon, what Bishop told you on Thursday, I will reiterate again today. When you told him, I want to serve God, I want to be busy, when your wife said that, you need to know that Jesus was praying for you even before you were thinking about that. I need somebody to just lift their hands high and just begin to glorify God. We don't got to plead with God. We don't have to beg God. We don't have to ask God if he's listening. It's already we read it in the scripture. He says, I have prayed for you. Oh my God, I need somebody to glorify God who knows that he's been praying for you. I need somebody to worship God who knows that Jesus was speaking on your behalf. I need somebody to worship God like when you had no words. God just was speaking. Jesus was speaking. Jesus was interceding in those nights of moaning and groaning and crying and tears. Jesus is like, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. You're going to turn again. And when you do, you're going to strengthen your brothers. There are people that should be sitting in these pews that they need us people they need us my brothers they need us my sisters there are people that are struggling right now that should be worshiping God alongside of us and God is telling us right now PFAC you're turning again you're turning again I need you to strengthen your brother